Okay, Bokatov. Uh, today's daf is daf Yudgimel. We pick up in the middle of Yudbet, uh, well, not the middle, towards the bottom of Yudbet Amadbet. We're in the middle of a, of a, a, a series of Midrashim around Yitzhak Mitzrayim, specifically around the uh, birth of uh, Moshe Rabbeinu. And we pick up with uh, Rabbi Hanina Bar Papa, which is about 20 lines from the bottom, lines starting with the word Bishrilini Tzaltem Kuchem. It continues as follows. That day that Moshe was uh, discovered by Bat Paro was the 21st of Nisan. Um, Amu, uh, because that's also based on the word of like Zeh, from the focus of the Pasuk, right? Um, um, so, Amu Malach Yashar, the heavenly angels said to God, Master of the universe, this, uh, the one who in the future will sing out the uh, praise, the uh, song on the, uh, on the Red Sea on this day, this day he should be uh, smitten. Um, so, uh, says, No, the day that Moshe was found was, was not the 21st of Nisan, which is the day, you know, seven days from Yetias Mitzrayim that they, that the uh, Yams were split and that they uh, sang the Shir on the Yam. Nope, it was the 6th of Sivan, which as we know is the day that the Torah was given. The one in the future will, um, will, who will see Har, who will see Torah from Harsina and this day should be smitten on this day. Um, so again, this is based on the use of the word Zeh in the Pasuk. What is it? So what's the emphasis of the Zeh? So this day is the day they should be smitten. So if you say that Moshe was discovered the three months and that he was discovered by Bat Parah on the 6th of Sivan, so that then works out the three months from the time he was born. Why? The Amar Mar Beshiva Ba'adar Meis Beshiva Ba'adar Nolad Moshe Moshe was died on the seventh of Adar and born on the seventh of Adar. How do we know this? Because. It basically says that Bnei Yisrael, um, uh, you know, uh, mourned Moshe for 30 days, and then it says on the third day after the morning ceased, God said to Yehoshua, go cross over the Jordan, and that day was the, the Pesukim made clear in Yehoshua, was the 10th of Nisan. So there you go, Moshe died on the 7th of Adar. How do you know he was born on the 7th of Adar? So that's based on the Drasha where it says, you know, So today, I have, I'm a full 120 years old, this is the day that I was born, so the idea also that Sadiqim live out a full year they die on the, on the day that they were born so if he was born also on the 7th of Adar so let's see so 3 months from the 7th of Adar gets you to anybody want to do the math? Uh, uh, right, right, in Nisan, Er, Sivan. Well, all right, six or seven, but basically three months till six of Sivan. So it actually works out very nicely. It's the day of Matan Torah. But if you say it is the twenty-first of Nisan, so then you're falling short by uh, many, many days, right? So uh, by by more than a month. Yes. Isn't there anything in the Torah was given on the seventh Sivan? Okay, so Messiah. Anyway, one or the other. Anyway, you have a full year, right? You'd be the day before. Okay. Uh, uh, fine. Anyway, good point. So, El Mandar Mar Besim Vecha Besim Benisan Heich Mishkachesla Osa Shanamu Beres Haisa. Oh, 
it was a leap year. Ruba Shalvishon. So you had the remainder of Nisan. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you if you was uh, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, you had the remainder of Adar Rishon. I'm sorry. The ma- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Thank you. The ma- remainder of Adar Rishon. I was going backwards. Right. So you had Adar. You were born on seventh of Adar. You had the remainder of Adar Rishon. Okay. You had Ruba Shalacharon. Well, actually, let's see. Ruba Shalacharon. Then Sarah Shalem. So you had all of Adar Sheni, and then you had twenty-one days of Nisan. So there you go. It wasn't a full three months, but it was mostly most of month number one, Absolutely. all of month number two, and most of num- month number three. Okay. So the sister said to the daughter of Paro, Should I go and call for you a nursemaid from the Hebrew women? Why did she specifically say Hebrew women? Why wouldn't Bas Paro want it to be an Egyptian women? Now, the obvious, one obvious answer could be that if the Hebrew women are throwing all of their babies into the uh, Nile or being forced to whatever, then there are a lot of, uh, of, of women who are lactating um, who would be free to nurse a baby, you know, who don't have babies of their own that they are nursing. But okay, but let's see what, the, what it says. They tried to have Moshe nurse from Egyptian women. Kulan, all of them, and he referred to, and he, re, and he refused to uh, suckle. Amar, he said, or Amar Kadesh some have. So God said, or, you know, if it was Moshe's intuition said, or, you know, instinct said. Um, mouth that will eventually speak to, the, to, to God should actually should suckle something impure. Now what's something impure? It doesn't mean the person, people are not tame, but it means that they eat tray food and, you know, the food that you eat impacts the, the milk of the mother. This actor, I'm sure Charlie will tell us that there's actually quite true, right? The things that the mothers eat, whatever, impacts the milk. That is true. Yes. So therefore, in the milk of the mother, if the mother is eating non-kosher food, is some impact of that non-kosher food, some some element of that non-kosher well, food. All the Jews weren't really necessarily kosher. Oh, you... Oh, yeah, it's being so, so well, factual. Anyway. Egyptians vegetarians? Uh, I don't know about that. Anyway, so therefore, how could he be getting some of that tray food through the mother's milk? Right, of course, like since when were the Jews keeping kosher at that time? But actually, what's <laughs> interesting about this is it leads to some discussion in the post game of like, how much is this a halacha or not? You know, feeding an infant child, how much does the food have to be kosher? Right? Because he's under the age of chinuch, so there's no chinuch element. But is there some intrinsic spiritual, spiritual power to, or negative power to non-kosher food? Like the Gemara says, metamte mesalev, like you know, stop clogs up the heart. So that maybe even completely. What do you mean, re- meaning like they have to have like a formula that be kosher. Yeah, exactly. You have to get a formula with a hechsher, you know. An awful so. lot of Ashkenazic food clogs up the heart. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. Um, okay, the high music and this is what the verse says. <laughs> So, who is the one that will teach knowledge? Um, who will understand like uh, the uh, the tradition uh, or um, the report? Who is the one that is fit to learn and to teach the Torah? The one who weans himself from the milk and removes himself from the breast. So, for Moshe, who refused to suckle from the uh, from the Egyptian women. And the daughter of Paro said to her, um, Isn't it Lichi? Is, is it Hey Lichi, right? Yeah. Hey Lichi. Okay. So, I'm a rebel. Oh, Lichi. No, Lichi. 
No, no, Tehlicha when he gives it to, when she gives it to. No, that's when she, yeah, no, no, that's when, no, no, that's when she gives it to Yocheved. But when, um, but when, but when uh, Miriam says, should I go, then Fatoma Labas Poro Lechi. Yes. I was jumping ahead. Okay. Fatoma Labas Poro Lechi. So she tells to Miriam, go, go get, go get a Hebrew woman. I'm Rabbi Lezim, and Melamed Shalchab is Rizut Ka'alma. So then it says, Vatelech Ha'alma, Vatagel Eim Hayolen. And the laugh, you know, the young woman went. So, um, so, so Miriam probably was not so young at that age. Well, I don't know because if Miriam was, well, was, anyway, anyway, it says she went with like with uh, with alacrity, like a young woman. Oh, I mean, yeah, um, I know. I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> right? If Moshe was, if, if Aaron was only three years older than Moshe, right? How old was Miriam? Yeah, so, I just, so maybe it means Alma. Maybe it doesn't mean like she went like a younger woman. Maybe she went like an older. Maybe she went like a teenager. She had so much energy. Okay. Anyway, so Reb Shmuel Bar Nachmani Amar Haalma. Why did it say Haalma? Shehilimest Vareha because she concealed her words. She was. She said, "Look, here's a Hebrew woman," and of course, it wasn't the mother. Okay. Vatoma Labas Paro Heilich Yes Ayerav Hazer. There we go. Here, take this child. Amar Rebbe Chama Rebbe Chanina Misnava Ve'Ena Yodat Man Misnava. The daughter Paro prophesied without knowing what it was that she was prophesying. Okay. Heilichi. Here is Lichi. Hey. Here's the one that is yours. So basically, in that word, it's like she didn't realize she was saying, here, here this is your own child. Okay. And I will give um, your, uh, your, 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 your uh, fee. Um, it's not sufficient for the righteous that their lost objects are returned to them. They get back what is theirs. They get paid for taking back their things that is theirs. Okay. Now that since we're talking about Miriam, we want to quote this later pasuk by the Shiras Hayam in order to illustrate, uh, illuminate something we're talking about now. So Miriam, the sister of Aaron, took Achos Aaron Vlochos Moshe. What is the same Aaron's sister, not Moshe's sister? Amar Rabbi Amram, Amar Rabbi Amarav, Amila, Amarav Nachman, Amarav. Melamik Shaisa Mitznabaak Kisi Achot Aaron. Because it was Miriam Hanaviyah Achot Aaron. She was already a Neviyah when she was only Aaron's sister before Moshe was born. So she prophesied before Moshe was born. So that's very suggestive once you say that. She's prophesying before Moshe was born. What more is there to prophesy about <laughs> other than the birth of Moshe? Okay. Vomeret, as she said, Atida imi ben Israel. My mother will give birth to a son that will be the sa- that will save to be the savior of Israel. The Kivim Shenolad Moshe, and once Moshe was born, Kula Or. The whole house was filled with light. Like the, the other midrash that says right, Kitovu, right? Okay, Amaravia. Her father got up and kissed her on her forehead. My daughter, your prophecy is being fulfilled. There you go. All right. So Miriam was not only like wise in that she basically got him to reverse his decree, right? But she also was a prophetess. So it was all because of Miriam that everything happened, both getting taking his wife back and she prophesied. Okay. So then, but the kiwan sheiti luli or. Once he, he, Moshe was thrown into the river, um, into the Nile, the father went and like slapped her on the head, you know, hit her on her head. Like, uh, so, my daughter, what's, where's your prophecy? Look what's happening. 
and that's what it says. Vatei tetzava chosomer echok. The sister stood far off. Ledea ma yeyaselo to know what would be with Moshe. Leida ma yehei besof nuvatah. That's why she was hovering. She wanted to see what, what happened to a prophecy. Would a prophecy ultimately be fulfilled? By the way, once again, you know, Miriam has the long-term view, and uh, and uh, and um, Amram has very immediate response, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, Paris goes there. We have to stop towards our wives, you know. So Miriam, both of these cases have has a long-term view. Yes. Wasn't Amram one of the four people mentioned who never sinned? Um, well, I, I guess you could make a mistake without sinning. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know. It's a good question. Okay, um, just one minute. I just want to see something. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because if Miriam was also one of the Mialdot, like... Maybe, you know, how old are we supposed to assume she was, right? Was she, was she three years old or was she 15 years old? I mean, if she was one of the Mialdot, right? So she must, she must, what you would think. Okay. Anyway, now we get to move on from the story of Moshe to the story of Yosef. Um, Yosef Zacha. Yosef merited that his bones were, um, were, uh, that he, uh, took up Moshe's bones. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> Yosef merited that he took up his father Yaakov's bones and he was the greatest of the generation. And therefore, he merited that when he died, Moshe took his bones, and Moshe was the greatest of the generation. Okay, so let's take a look. So now we're going to first talk about Yosef bearing Yaakov. When it first said, when he went up to bury him, it says, Yosef went... And all the uh, servants of Paro, and then followed the servants of Paro, or the household of Paro, or his, uh, his entire, you know, his entire household and his father's household, which means that the, fa- the, 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 the Paro's entourage gets precedence over Yosef's immediate family. Okay, and when they returned, it says, that when he returned, it was him and his whole family and then the entourage of Paro. So why was it on the return trip they gave more honor to Yosef's, bro- to Yosef's family? So initially they did not see the honor afforded to the entire Israelite people meaning Yosef they obviously understood but they didn't appreciate the honor afforded to them so also, they did not show respect. In the end when they saw that their honor they saw how other people gave them honor. We'll see that in a minute. They, they also treated them with honor. Now, where are we going to see that other people treated the Israelite family with honor? It says, They came to the threshing floor of Atad. And Atad means like a, a thorn bush, thistles. So the Gemara says, who makes uh, threshing, uh, you know, who, for, for, for thistles? Who wants thistles? Um, unless I guess you're Eeyore. Anyway. It shows you that what Atad here means is that they surrounded um, Yaakov's uh, uh, coffin with crowns. Um, the ver- kings came to show respect and put crowns on Yaakov's coffin and surround him with crowns. And crowns obviously are very pointy, right? So that's like thorns and thistles. Um, um, like a like a threshing floor which you surround with thorn bushes Rashi says basically with like a fence of thorns you know to keep people out or to keep the animals out I mean, a so therefore Goranatad is a Goran surrounded by like a thorn fence but as that's not just stopping there it says no 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 what it's showing you is that they also put these crowns on Yaakov's coffin um, now here's we're going to see who put the crowns on so because 
because all of, they all came to, uh, for, to show respect. Now, it didn't start by showing respect. All of the various descendants, B'nai Esav, uh, B'nai Shema, B'nai Keturah, at least they were from an earlier generation, right? Mm-hmm. So the, from the, the children of Avram, you know, or uh, whatever, Avram's grandchildren. But in B'nai Esav was clearly, you know, the whole uh, uh, break-off from Yaakov. So, but they all came. Now, Tana, we taught in Bresa, Kulam Limachomabo. They didn't come initially to show respect. They basically said, here we go, here's uh, Yaakov's family, and they're coming back into the land of Canaan, where we've been, where we've been, let's just uh, go, or maybe, yeah, in general, we want to find opportunity, but maybe they also felt that they were taking over the land that they were in. So they said, let's go to war against them. So, so uh, where were we? Kivin Shiro, Kisra Yosef, Yaakov. But then they saw Yosef, who was, you know, this obviously the second in command here of, of Egypt, and his crown was, was, hover, was uh, suspended by over Yaakov's um, uh, coffin. So they all followed suit, which is actually quite ironic because here it sort of says like, and then, you know, so the Egyptians saw how other people afforded respect to, you know, B'nai Yisrael. Mm-hmm. But they weren't showing respect mm-hmm. to B'nai Yisrael, they were showing respect to Yosef because of his position at, in Egypt. <laughs> but okay, anyway, somehow, nevertheless, since it was this major show of respect to Yaakov, however it came about, that led to the Mitzrim having, having more respect, showing respect to B'nai, to B'nai Yisrael. Um, okay, Tanim done in Brisa. Shloshim Shishak Tarim Niflu Baranosha Yaakov. There were thirty-six. Rashi somehow does the math. It's like, like if you count up all of the, uh, you know. Um, uh, uh, what do you call it? princes that are listed for Esav and for Yishmael it doesn't exactly come to 36 but it comes close and Rashi sort of figures out how you get to 36 okay to 36 was it like Shem Hashem or something yeah well no Shem Hashem is 26 okay and they eulogized there a great and heavy uh, eulogizing um, or wailing um, um, even the horses and even the donkeys um, uh, they were basically part of the uh, mispade. So uh, it sort of reminds you of what do you call it? Of like this and uh, Yona, right? When they had the animals wearing the sackcloth. Um, anyway, all right. Kivin I'm not sure what we're supposed to get out of that, but it was it felt as such an enormous tragedy. I guess it is sort of like Ninve, you know, that you wanted to demonstrate it that it's you know how enormous it was that even the animals somehow were part of that. Okay, Kivin Now that was going out. Now they came to the Maratamach Pela. Um, also Esav, Kamaakev, Esav came and he was going, he was trying to prevent them from burying. Amalan, he said to them, listen, So, yes, this is Kir Arba, which is Chevron, and Baba Rabbi Yitzchak, and Rabbi Yitzchak said, now, Rashi immediately points out, Esav wasn't saying this, the Gemara is giving us this as background. Rabbi Yitzchak said, Kiryat Arba, Arba Zugot Hayu, there were four pairs that were buried there. Adam Chava, Avraham, Sarai, Yitzchak, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Le'ah. Okay, that's, eventually there'll be, we're now on the Yaakov part no, of this. Um, okay. So, so basically, but the point being that there were enough, only enough, only enough spaces for four uh, pairs. And already now, three and a half pairs had been buried. Right? The also the three previous and Leah. So, you cover the Leah. So basically, so here's what Asaph is saying. Look, there's only one space for one coffin left. 
Yaakov buried Leah, uh, um, in his, uh, you know, the one, that, the, that was his uh, unit. The high Depayish and the remaining space, you know, uh, a niche and the remaining uh, uh, space is Zidu, is for me. So basically, you know, Yaakov and I, we, we're equal heirs, so he got half of what was left of the Marat HaMachpel and I got the other half. He got one of the units, I got the other unit. He buried Leah, the last one I'm keeping for myself. You don't get to bury Yaakov there. So, Amrulay, they said to him, Zavinta, you sold it to him when you sold the uh, bride of the firstborn. Amrulay said back, no, he does vini bichirusa. Yes, I sold the privilege of the firstborn, but pitusa mizvini. I didn't sell my basic right as a normal son, and therefore we each get one of the units of the Marada Machpela. Amrulay, yes, you did sell it to him, because we know Yaakov testified, in my grave that I have dug for me. Kira does, does not, does not, means nothing other than, I mean, it doesn't mean dig, but means nothing other than to right, purchase. Well, but he might have pre-dug his niche, okay? But clearly, you know, he, but clearly what is clear is, you know, and this is like, you, could, you know, you always wonder, like, why is the Gemara, you know, making up this whole story? Like, what evidence in the Psukim, what is it trying to teach you? So maybe it's just trying to sort of, well, we'll see as we continue the story, you can speculate what they're trying to teach you, but it might be basing it off of this puzzle that Yaakov emphasizes to his children his ownership and his right to this right thing. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say, you know, my grave, that I dug for myself. Right, so what does it mean he dug his grave? Weren't they already pre-dug and why is he emphasizing? Why didn't he just say, go bury me in the Marazalach Pela, which Avram purchased? You know, so it seems like there's something potentially contentious about his grave that he had to emphasize, I dug it for myself. So it seems that that's probably where it's taking off to develop the story and it's reading Karisi not to be dug, but to be purchased. Because in the, uh, you know, in the islands, because Mechira, to purchase, is to sell, is to call it Kiva. So Karisi, I purchased for me. So he said to them, no, it's all a lie. Show me the uh, document that shows where, you know, that I sold it to, to Yaakov. Amrulay, they said to him, We left that back in Egypt. So, Uman Nezil, so it's no problem, we'll get it faxed. Uman Nezil, who should go? Nezil Naftali. Let's send Naftali to go fetch it. Naftali is as fast as a uh, Ayal, as a, uh, what's an Ayal? A uh, what? Hind, uh, right, the, uh, what's that? Right, the doe, right, a deer. Yeah. Right, okay. He's as fast as a deer. Dechsiv, Naftali, Ayala, Shilucha. Naftali is, and they're playing also on the word Shilucha, right, he's being sent on a message, right, so he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a sent, uh, he's a deer that is being, uh, sent. Um, Hanoseini Meshafer, that gives good words. Amar Rabbi Avalatikri Meshafer, Eleimre Sefer, the words of the book, of the document. So he was sent off to fetch the document. Um, there I, so Naftali is running, everything is being delayed. Chushim the son of Dan, Tamanhavi, was there. He was hard of hearing, literally his ears were heavy. Amaluhu, he said to everybody else, Mayai, what's going on? Zamrulay, they said to him, Kama'akev hai, this one, Esav, is holding up the works, Adasi Naftali, Miyadimitraim, until Naftali returns from the land of Egypt with the document. Amaluhu, so he said to everyone, to, to whoever he was talking to, Adasi Naftali, Miyadimitraim, until Naftali gets back from Egypt, Abi, Abba, Mutab, my father's father should be, should be there in disgrace, like he's not being buried, we were just waiting there with his coffin. Shakil Kufa, he took a, a, a rod, Machia Reisha, he, he Hit the Esav on the head. Um, Natrin Ene, so Esav's eyes popped out. 
Tenaflu Akarad Yaakov, and they fell on Yaakov's lap. I guess it was an open coffin. Patrinu Yaakov. All the way from Mitzrayim. Patrinu, Patrinu Yaakov, Le'ena Yaakov opened up his eyes, and he smiled. The righteous will see when he sees, uh, you know, uh, vengeance, uh, right, justice, he will rejoice, right, will rejoice, thank you, Yismach will rejoice when he sees vengeance is being done, you know, uh, uh, retribution, probably. He will wash his hands with the blood of the wicked. Okay, uh, what can I tell you? Anyway, so that's interesting. So one of the things is that there's some, like, satisfying end, you know, which is, uh, uh, but, uh, Sukkim seems like Yaakov and Esau reconciled. Yeah, so that's the funny thing. Like, what's the matter with the, you know, with the way you read the Sukkim? Exactly, they reconciled. Why isn't that a satisfying end? So one has to write, why do you have to sort of see, like, Esau is evil and he's now getting killed in this way and, and he's a Russia and he's getting, you know, and, and, and he's getting paid back. So it's possibly that, you know, Chazal were projecting, you know, Esau represented for them. You know, if Yaakov and Esau were seen as, as these two, you know, entities constantly in war, right? So, after after you, have, after you no longer have the original Esau, who historically winds up, winds up being Esau, so winds up being Rome. And after Rome, of course, Esau was later rep- understood, you know, Christianity. So it's like, who is the, seen as the primary sort of, you know, uh, compete, not competitor, but, uh, uh, um, what's the word? Um, uh, anyway. Um, antagonist, thank you, that's the best, better word. Antagonist, you know, to B'nai Israel at any particular in time. So it went from Esau to Rome to Christianity. So if they're dealing, you know, so the sense of, the sense of like they've been suffering enormous, uh, you know, a great deal, and, and, you know, payback and justice seems very, very far away. So there's something, I think, satisfying, projecting, you know, that type of a thing on the Yaakov and Esau. In the end, look, you know, we'll laugh. Right, they'll get their they'll, they'll get their due, and we will laugh. Okay, so Bozeshan is kaimen vuaser shal rivka. At that moment, the uh, prophecy of Rivka. We had the prophecy of Miriam before. The prophecy of Rivka was fulfilled. Dechsev lama eskal gam shenechem yom echad. Why will I be bereaved of the two of you one day in the same day? Now the avogav demisasa lo biyom echad havi. Even though they weren't, they didn't die on the same day. Tzuras and niyav yom echad havi. They both were buried on the same day. So to some degree, there was a, her prophecy was fulfilled. Okay. Now I don't understand according in this whole story um, why uh, what do you call it? Um, why chushim had to be deaf? Somebody can explain that to me. Or hard of hearing. I mean, right? I was acted so impulsively. Like, he uh, what was going on. I mean, he just got upset that, uh, you know, that, that, that this guy was causing <coughs> the delay. And like, and you know, he felt that with my, you know, my grandfather's body's in disgrace and he acted. So maybe, maybe you're right. Like, maybe if there had been build up to it, he wouldn't have like had sort of, sort of, sort of an impulsive reaction. Anyway. Alright. So now it goes like this. Um, the Elo Asik Bey Yosef, now the Gemara says, and one minute. Why does it say that, you know, Yosef buried? If Yosef hadn't done it, are you telling me the brothers wouldn't have involved themselves in the burial? But they did involve themselves in the burial. And the, the sons, you know, carried him up to the land of Canaan. So why does one pasuk attribute it? It's funny the way the Gemara phrases the question, but like, you know, one pasuk attributes it to Yosef, and another pasuk we see the brothers are doing it. So, um, so the Gemara says, Amru, no, because what the brothers said is, let Yosef take the lead. Yaakov's honor is greater if, you know, kings bury him than if us, you know, just lay people bury him. So, so basically they allowed him to take more of the lead in it even though clearly they were involved. 
Okay. Now the same way Yosef buried Yaakov, Moshe t- 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 you know concerns himself with bringing Yosef's bones out of Mitzrayim. And look, here is that very strong parallel. Mm-hmm. Right? The Yo- Yosef brings the bones out of Mitzrayim of Yaakov, and now I mean, it's so bizarre, right? you know, Moshe. So part of what it is doing is coming to show, you know, that it's like closure. There was this prophecy, and there was this long period of enslavement. And again, it like, looked like it was that the prophecy had been forgotten, would never be fulfilled, and ultimately it was. And Yosef is coming back to Eretz Canaan, and Bnei Israel going back to Eretz Canaan. So there's that closure and that closing of the circle. But at the same time, it is in clear parallel with Yosef bringing Yaakov's bones back from Mitzrayim. Yes. Why didn't um, Yosef's sons bury him? Yosef was the first or certainly was not the last Okay. Of well, we'll see a question like that coming okay. up. Okay. We'll come and see how dear the mitzvahs were to Moshe. All of Israel was focusing on, you know, the booty, on how we're going to get, you know, more gold and silver out of Egypt and borrowing the vessels. He let them do all that. He ran after the mitzvahs that they were to do. The wise of heart will take mitzvot. Um, had he know where he was buried? People said, oh, you know what? Serech Bat Asher is the one person who is still alive from that generation of Yosef. Um, so Moshe went to her. You know where Yosef is buried? By the way, this is very interesting, right? Talking about like a, a period in which you know they had given up hope of redemption, right? It's like they were not, were not keeping alive a tradition of where Yosef was buried, right? If they were sustaining the hope of the ultimate redemption, then they would have kept alive that tradition of where Yosef was buried. I mean, so, you know, if he was a noble, the, you know, they would be buried in the Valley of Kings and Queens. Okay, but it's the way the Gemara is framing it here, you know, it, nobody knew except this one old woman, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it is interesting, like, what was happening? Where, you know, where, I mean, it sounds like, you know, Bnei Israel had, had so completely despaired, mm-hmm. and, right? So I think it's an interesting question yeah. of were they continuing to sustain the hope and the trust in Yosef's promise. Uh huh. Yeah, it's true. In all these stories, it's a woman, actually. You know, I mean, right? Oh, that's very interesting. You mean the whole like oral tradition and the keeper right and the woman? It's a good point. Okay. Um, where were we? Um, Okay, Amala, he said to her, Do you know where Yosef is buried? Amala, she said to him, The uh, Egypt made for him a, uh, a metal coffin, the Kavubnilos, and they, and they, and they, like, they, they, they you know, uh, buried it, not buried it, um, but, you know, sank it, uh, you know, like, sort of attached it to the ground of the Nile, um, at the bottom of the Nile. Benilos um, Hanahar. In order that the waters of the Nile would be blessed, you know, I mean, Yosef prophesied and that led to, well, I mean, first of all, it's the famine, but anyway, so therefore, that's where he's buried. So Moshe went and he stood by the edge of the Nile. Amalo, Yosef, Yosef, he said to him, Yosef, Yosef, the time has come that God has sworn that God would redeem, God, that God will redeem you. I assume the Ani here is God, not Moshe. He spotted Israel, and now the uh, the oath that you had uh, made Israel swear, it's the time to fulfill it. If you show yourself good, and if not, so we are we are exempt from your oath. We've done everything we could do. It's up to you, Yosef. 
Saf Aronosha Yosef. Immediately Yosef's Yosef's coffin floated. The Altitamai Hech Barzel Saf, and do not be astounded. How could iron float? Shareik Siv. It says Viechad Mapiel Hakora Veta Barzel Nafal Elamayim, and a person was sort of like uh, knocking down, you know, a beam, and the uh, the uh, hatchet, the iron, fell into the water. And then he said to the prophet, he said, Aha Adoni, uh, Woe, my master, who Shaul? It was a bar- it was a borrowed hatchet. The man of God, meaning um, Elisha, said to him, Ananafal, where did your hatchet fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut a, a, a piece of wood. And he threw it in that place. And then the iron, the, the uh, head of the hatchet or whatever, the iron floated. Okay, so this is that uh, it floated miraculously, miraculously here. Because it floated miraculously there, exactly. It's also so funny because we forget that if you read the Nevi'im, you know, you see how they would sometimes go to their prophets for like trivial things. I can't find my donkeys or whatever, <laughs> you know. Um, so one minute, well, let me just finish it. Um, uh, where is it? Uh, so Elisha was a student of Elio, and Elio, Elio was a student of Moshe, and the iron would float for him. How much more so for Moshe Rabbeinu? Yes. Is there any place in Tanakh where the Nile is referred to as by the word Nile? Um... Steinfeld says that's the Greek. Yeah, no, it's like it says Hanahar Hagadol. Right, and she. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so, but okay. Yeah, I don't think so. All right. Rabbi Nelson Omer, because Ranit Shemulachim Hayakavur, he was buried in Virgo. Right, the Valley of Kings and Queens. Kavranit, what does Steinfeld say Kavranit means? Um. Crypt. Crypt. Okay, catacombs. Okay. So it wasn't with the Nihilus. He went to the catacombs, to the crypt. Same thing, he, same proclamation. You show yourself from top good. If not, we are cleansed from your oath. At that moment, Yosef's uh, coffin shook, um, and I guess like removed itself, you know, shook itself free from the, from the niche, from the niche. Not to Moshe the Yevioet slow. So Moshe took it and brought him and brought it to him, removed it. The whole of Shanim Shai Yisrael by Midbar and all those years that Israel was in the wilderness. There were these two um, now uh, you can't say coffins. There were these two boxes. Uh, okay, one that had in it uh, the, the dead Yosef's body, the Echad Shosvina, and the Aron of the of the Luchas Abris, the God's Aron, um, God's presence. They were go, going like side by side. Now, not really side by side, because uh, you know the Gemara very much learns from Yosef that uh, the body of Yosef that you can bring a dead body even into. So the Levite camp, but you can't bring it into Machanesh Shechina, or you can't have a dead body there. But okay, but they were sort of, still sort of going alongside, it's not side by side, but pretty close to one another. They were traveling in close proximity. So the rest of the, I don't know, for the Shvatim. Uh, yeah. Uh, an honorable place. Yeah. Yeah. The other one is that, you know, about the, right. uh, of uh, Yehuda, you know, rolling around. That's a good point. I don't know. Anyway, um, okay. 
Zemzeva. You are Rima Shavim Omim, and the passerbys—I don't know how many passerbys there were in the wilderness. The passerbys said, "What is it? What are these two, uh, you know, uh, boxes? I'm looking for a better word. Anyway, that you're carrying um, casket. Do you want a casket? Anyway, Amru One is of a dead body, and the other is of the divine presence. You know, why, what right does the dead body have to go alongside the divine presence? I mean, to me, what's more troubling is that the juxtaposition seems to suggest, as, your, as that English translation has, some sense of a casket relating to the divine. Right? That's yeah. more troubling. Yeah. Is that like, what? Are you saying your God is dead? Like, I mean, you know, it's very, it's very disturbing, the image. Okay. Oh, my God. But anyway, but the Gemara, let's see what the Gemara does with it. Amru, they said... This one, you know, Yosef fulfilled everything that was written in this, meaning in the Luchot, I guess. Um, now, the reason, now we understand why the Gemara is saying it, because it's clear from other Gemarot that this would be a standard, not standard, whatever, under, in cases when a real big Talmud Chacham would die, they would put a Sefer Torah in his arm, they wouldn't bury it, but sort of in the procedure, in the Leviah, and they would say, So, no. So, anyway, you know, so like, you know, this person, like, Torah was his life, you know, and they would demonstrate it by, you know, he was all about Torah and so on. He was a living Torah. So here they're sort of making this as a, you know, as a, as like, as the original example of that. Right. Okay. Vilo Asik Be Moshe, of now it asks the same question asked by Yosef. Are you telling me that if Moshe had not done it, uh, Israel would not have done it? And it's funny that they ask this in the hypothetical because it's actually going to show Psukim where it sounds like Israel did it, same as before. They, B'nei Yisrael, buried in Shrem. And says, they, Helu. Right? And they, Asher Hela Moshe. It says, Asher Helu B'nei Yisrael. But two, in addition, Elohi Aske B'nei Yisrael, Banad Lohavim Aske B'nei There you go, Charlie. And if Yisrael, did, all of the people wouldn't have done it. Wouldn't his children have done it? And again, it's interesting, it's in the hypothetical. Vaxiv, it says, Vayuli B'nei Yosef L'Nachala. And it was for B'nei Yosef for an inheritance. So, V'yiyu, um, excuse me, B'nei Yosef L'Nachala. Um, and so again, it seems to attach specifically B'nei Yosef to the act of the burial, because the same Sukim. Amru, um, so really, here's what happened. It's true. But Yosef were involved. All of Yisrael was involved. But they said, let Moshe do it. Or like, like um, um, first, his honor is more women. Oh. Right. I guess, I guess B'nai Yosef said, let B'nai Yisrael do it. Because it's greater honor that the that the that the masses do it rather than that a few yeah, do it. So well, most, most of the ones took it out of Egypt, not Bnei Yosef. Right, so right, right. No, 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 no. I think it's going to it's two stages. Bnei Yosef said Bnei Yosef said let let Bnei Israel do it, and Bnei Israel said the Suamru hinichulo let Moshe do it. Kvodo bigdolino semibistanim better a great one do it than small ones do it. Okay, but again, it's so, interesting. Yeah, better, better one honorable person. person does, many, right. Of course, it's very interesting because it makes it seem like bottom line did Yisrael do it or did just Moshe do it it's the same question as before it says it sounds like it's framing it like they let Moshe they didn't do it and they asked before hypothetically but wouldn't they have done it you know and nevertheless it sounds from the Pesukim that they actually did do it so I guess one way to sort of bridge that gap is to say like maybe they started it and they were prepared to do more but ultimately they let Moshe take the lead anyway okay now Kivru Bishchem so they buried him in Shechem Mashna Bishchem why Shechem? Amr Rabbi Chama Rabbi Chanina Mishchem Ganvuhu because that's where he was uh, 
stolen from, he was sold off into slavery in Shem. So let's return him. That was the place where he was taken from the land of Canaan. Let's return, you know, his lost object. I don't know who the his, the land's lost object. Um, anyway, but let's return him to where he, to where he came from. Um, now, Karshikwayadari, we have a problem with the Psukim. See, one person says, so Moshe took it. That's not Moshe to say Israel. So now it's so funny. Like, didn't you just ask that question? Okay, but now it's actually more like more than the hypothetical. It's saying, look, forget. Let's not read that hypothetically they were prepared. It sounds like they did take him out. And the other puzzle sounds like Moshe took him out. What was the story? So anybody who does something and does not complete it, and somebody else comes and completes it, it's the one like another way that Marcel says, right? And this was only on the one who completed it. Let's say I dig a bore nine Oh, that's a good point. That's an interesting analogy. Yeah, that's an interesting analogy. Um, okay, so therefore, even though Moshe did it, since Yisrael were the ones who completed it and they buried him in the end, okay, um, um, then ultimately it says that they were the ones who buried Moshe. It got called on their name and not on Moshe's name. Okay. Um, I have got to pause because this stupid thing is about to hibernate if I don't get a plug for it. Okay, so... Um Okay, so who did it? Was it so? Oh, so Bnei Yisrael gets credit for it because they were the one who finished it. Um, okay, so Kivasa Rabbi Leizer Actually, the one who starts and does not finish actually gets brought down from their greatness. Now, of course, Moshe didn't. You know, Moshe didn't have any choice really. Um, but anyway, you see. But let's take a look. But for somebody, but let's take a look. Let's take. Yeah, of course. Let's take a look. But the point is, but we learn it from somewhere else. If you did have an opportunity to finish and you didn't finish, then you lose your status. Okay? If you, if you wasted the opportunity. Deceive. By he basically, by Yehuda. Yehuda went down because he tried to get Yosef uh, saved, but he didn't succeed and he didn't see it through. You know, it's all about the follow-through. It's when they tell you about baseball or golf. Right? It's true. You know, you can start a good initiative, but if you don't follow through, it's not going to get done. And, you know, and so he lost his status as a result. That's actually different because there nobody finished it. Right? If somebody else finishes it, I don't think we would say if you let somebody else finish it but here like you started it without it being finished at all so that's a big problem okay he'll even wind up burying his wife and children so all of that is because he didn't see it through the saving of Yosef again also that's pretty even if you want to sort of see that as punishment wow. it's one thing that the problem is he did not save his brother's wife right. it's another thing to say oh if you don't finish a mitzvah. Anyway, um, okay, I don't know. Um, it's, you know, it's like, it's, uh, it's just uh, exaggeration, which the Gemara does sometimes, you know, it's just send home a message. Good, it's Musser, a little fire and brimstone. Okay, um, so where were we? Um, why was why did Yosef refer to himself as bones in his own life? He says, well, Right? Yeah, but there's one he say, My body, I mean bones is a little, you know, it's it's it's, it's a little morbid. 
because he, the, you know, this was, it's funny, he called it, to, he referred this to himself, but somehow it's seeing that this was the way he was referred to, it was a pulling down of his honor, because he himself did not protest to protect his father's honor. The Tamiway, his brother said to him, Avadech Avinu, your servant, our father, right, when they didn't realize he was Yosef. He didn't say to them anything. He didn't say, you know, you don't have to call him my servant. I know you have to keep the charade, but I guess with Marfields, there was something he could say, like, it's okay, you don't have to call him my servant or something. Anyway, so because he didn't do anything to protect his father's honor, his honor was also brought down. Um, so the Amr of Yud Amr Rav, the Tamer of Chamber of Bichanina, Mipnema Mace Yosef Kodim Lechav. Why did he die before his brothers? Mipnation Hinhig Atmo Berabanut. See, that just shows you all this debate about being a rabbi. You know, if you want to be a rabbi, <laughs> that's why it was made uh, Kodim Lechav. I don't know. Does it mean that just it's a job that basically shortens your life? Uh, <laughs> anyway, but Rabbanut means authority. But it's not clear what it's referring to. Is it referring to this previous thing about not protecting his father's honor? Is it referring to, you know, uh, I don't know, the way he dealt with his brothers after his father died? Is it, I mean, what exactly is it dealing with? Um, but, uh, right, clearly, right. Right, right. Right, right. Like, he took on, right, you're right. I mean, he, he gets this most, like, he, right, he, he really, like, took on that status. He, you know, he, he was, you know, of authority. Of, of the, you know, exactly, exactly. Like, he threw, he, ra- he threw around his weight, is basically, he, he got more Rabbanuts. Yes. He, he gave himself superior heirs. Superior heirs. That's a nice translation. I don't know where it sees it. Maybe from this story about the father, but that's, you know. Anyway, all right, moving on. Yosef Hurad Mitzrayimag. Now, yes, now we're talking about Yosef, and we talked about he went to Shrem because he was taken from Shrem. Let's, you know, let's go back a little bit to that story. So Yosef was brought down to Mitzrayim. Amr Abelazar, I'll take the Hurad El Ahorid. He brought down. Not he was, he was brought down, but he brought down. Shehorid Itztagnime Faraomi Gdulatan. He ultimately was brought brought down the uh, astrologers of Paro from their greatness. Why is that? Because in the end, you know, they, were, they weren't able to interpret the dream and he was able to interpret the dream. So he was going to bring down Mitzrayim, essentially. Vayakneu Potiphar's Cerise Paro. Potiphar, Paro's eunuch, brought him. Now this is very interesting, right? What is a eunuch doing with a wife, right? <laughs> so, so maybe Cerise means something else, but let's see what the Gemara says. Amarav Shekna'o Latzmo. He purchased him for his own purposes. He basically wanted him for sex. This was, and he wasn't yet a Sri's Paro. So, Bagaviel, some have, or, um, you know, Bagaviel, if you're so, Bagaviel, if you're oh, some don't have the first phrase. Gavriel came and basically uh, castrated him, or Pierre was basically, like, you know, uh, uh, pulled back his, uh, the, the, the skin, you know, the skin of his Venus, and something basically made him, made him, uh, effectively castrated him. Okay, Rashi has Pierre with a greater degree of Sirso. Maytarek sees Potiphar, first it says Potiphar, so potifera. So the word priya, like by a mila, when you cut off the foreskin, then there's the priya of the pulling back of the little of the of the thin skin that's underneath the foreskin. So here presumably it means obviously some form of mutilation that was done that made him infertile um, and that made him a cerise paro. Okay. Um, now that we're done with Yosef, with Moshe bearing Yosef, we deal with God bearing Moshe. Milan go to me Moshe. 
So Moshe was no one greater. He buried Yosef, so God was buried Moshe. And God said to me, enough for you. I'll toast if the bear my old brother man. Don't speak any more about me about this thing, right? When God said to Moshe, you're, you're not going into the land. So Amrab Levi, Birav Biser, Birav Bisru. He's the word Rav. He was, he informed them with Rav and he was informed with Rav. Birav Biser, he informed the people with Rav. Rav Lachem, which is Rav Lachem in Levi. Okay, Birav Bisru, Rav Lach. Now I gotta tell you, I don't understand this at all. What does Rav Lachem B'nei Levi have to do with Rav Lach? Like was Moshe, was that like, did something, right was you wrong? Right, you know, I, I, I don't get the point. Um, Zorah there, Rav Lach, Rav Yeshlecha. Don't worry, Moshe, you, there's another, like, Rav, Rabbi, but like, there's another leader, Umanu Yehoshua. Yehoshua is, is waiting to take over. So not only you don't have to worry that they've got another leader in the wings, but God, but Rashi also explains that it's sort of saying, like, it's not fair for you anymore. Like, it's Yehoshua's turn. Okay, so Rav Lach, there's another, there's a Rav here. Okay, Dabrachia, Rav Lach, Shelo Yomru, Harav, Kamakashev, Tamid, Kamasarvan. Again, a play on the word Rav, like Rabbi, right, or, or teacher, so you Moshe, are you, if you're going to keep on asking and asking and asking, it doesn't make me look good and it doesn't make you look good. You know, people will say, you know, I can't believe that the master, that God is so, you know, unfeeling and unresponsive and I can't believe Moshe is, you know, <laughs> is such a, uh, you know, such a nunnik that he has to keep on asking and asking and asking. So, Harav Kamakashe, how, how, like, unfeeling, you know, intransigent is the Rav, the Tamid Kamasavan, and how much, how pressure is the student um, is to you know refuse um, yeah Rashi quotes from the Darim Hayu Misarvin Bo Lecho which means to like apply apply pressure okay somehow it means to like apply a lot of pressure to get but you're right it, sometimes it means to refuse the Kokach Lama and um, and why you know all of this why meaning why was God so exacting on Moshe like come on why can't he go into the land so Tanit Rebbe Bishmael Lufum Gam Lashichna Based on the camel, that's the load. You load up the camel with, you know, with what it can carry. So basically, Moshe was such a tzaddik, and on such a high level, he was taken to account even for very small things. Okay, Moshe said to them, I am 120 today. What does say today? To tell you, now on today, my days and years are filled. I'm exactly 120 years old. And that's how we got that Moshe, since he died on the seventh of Adar, he was born on the seventh of Adar. God makes their lives fill out to the full of their, uh, to the full uh, day and month. The number of your days I will fill. Back to what Moshe says. Then I can no longer go out, come and go. What does that mean to come and go? He couldn't like, you know, move, or move. he couldn't walk, he couldn't come out, in the, you know, he couldn't walk around as much as he could before. Michael? So anyway, he was 120 years old and he was still in his vigor, right? His eyes hadn't dimmed and, you know, and so on. So presumably, and although that possibly isn't clear because that basically says, like, doesn't explicitly speak about his strength, okay? Yeah, he managed to go up on his own. But now, so here's the passage that speaks about his strength. When God says to him, you're going to die and go up, you know, to Moshe went from the plains of Moab to the mountains 
Mount Nevo. The time we talked about Shemesrim Alot Hayusham. There were twelve elevations from uh, I don't know exactly what elevations mean, whatever. Twelve elevations from the plains to the mountain. And he jumped over all of them in one leap, in one step. Okay, so he had, believe me, he had plenty of strength. So what does it mean that I can't come and go? So Oh, I've lost what's most precious. I've lost my ability to like, uh, you know, to argue, to dispute, to analyze, you know, go in and out um, with Kivei Torah. The gates of wisdom had been clogged up. He no longer had his intellectual faculty, well, whatever, not at all, but whatever. He no longer, you know, was able to uh, be involved in Torah as, um, as, as he had before. Um, it's interesting because you normally would say that it means, let's say, not just about physical strength, but that like to lead the people, you know. But anyway, and maybe you could have turned it into it's Yoshua's turn. It's no longer my turn. But anyway, the Gemara says that it means that at that moment, you know, he, you know, he, uh, he, the, the gates were closed, and it raises a question: like, why was that? Like, you know, like, you know, why did God make it that the gates of wisdom were closed to him at that very last moment? Like, maybe to make him. To one way, it seems like a little bit more cruel, you know, that like this thing that is obviously the most precious thing he loses while he's still alive. On the other hand, maybe it makes him more being able to reconcile himself to his death, you know, that now that he understands, like I no longer can be the person that I was. So it seems like that. I think that's probably what the Gemara is 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 intending. Moshe and Yoshua went and they stood in the Oel Moed. Tana, Oser Shabbos shel Dio Zuge Haisa. That Shabbat was one of the two pairs, like, you know, of like, uh, you know, of the pair, like both Moshe and Yoshua were sharing the uh, leadership of that Shabbat. It was taken from Moshe and given to Yoshua. It's funny he uses the word Shabbat, um, but, it, but it probably yeah, is echoing, no, it probably <laughs> is echoing another Gemara that says, Shabbos shel Mi Haisa, that there was a, a case where there was a, you know, who was going to be the Rosh Hashiva was, or, the, you know, the Nasi and the Avbeitin, etc., was under dispute and they came to an arrangement where it would be on a rotation and each one would have a different week, which is sometimes why you have the, you'll hear a line say, Shabbat Shomihaita, whose week was it, right? So it seems like that's why it's sort of trying to echo that and it says like, look, here they actually were able to share power for that Shabbat, you know? So I think it very much is echoing, you know, the, that, that phenomenon that they knew about and that also they had to deal with by having a alternating and here saying they were actually both able to do it. Although the both actually doesn't mean both because one ended and the other began. It wasn't both at the same time. If it not been in the Pasuk, you wouldn't be able to say such a thing. In the portion of Ruvain, it says he went to Mount Nevo. Nevo is in Ruven's portion. It's Nevo. So the, you know, the Psukim say that Nevo is there in, in the, and that's where the city is. Presumably that's where the mountain is. Okay? The Hechon Moshe Kavur, where's Moshe buried? God. So it says he went up to Mount Nevo, but we know he's buried in God's portion. How do you know? There, the portion of the Michokek of the lawgiver is buried. So that does sound like a pretty clear reference to that's where Moshe is, bur- is buried. You know, or that's where the portion of the lawgiver is hidden. The Gemara certainly understands that that means nothing other than that's where Moshe is buried. Okay, so how could it be? God or Reuven? So, the, um, 
God, and from Ruvain's portion to God's portion, Kamahayu, are the milin, four meal. That, so that's not as much, you could have said it's lot, but four meal is still four meal. Four meal is about four kilometers. Okay? Um, Osen Arba. Portions well, we're going to say. But first, let's establish how far they were from one another. Okay, they were four meal. Ozen Arba Milin, those four meal, Miho Licho, who took him? He died in Mount Navo, and he was buried four meal further, four meal away in, uh, so it's okay, you can die in one place and be buried in another place in the portion of God, but, but who was the one who transported him? Okay? Miho Licho, Milame, Shayam Moshe Muto He was there hovering on the divine wings, Omin, so God was the one that was, and this, of course, the power of this is, it's going back to our Mishnah. God, Moshe buried Yosef, God buried Moshe. Now, where did God bury Moshe? I mean, God told Moshe to die, but where did God, like, bury Moshe? So, of course, you could say, nobody buried Moshe. He died. Who buried him? Someone had to bury him. Right. So, who buried him? But here, it's sort of having God as being, like, very, like, you know, really, like, a Accompanying Moshe's Aaron, carrying Moshe's Aaron like Moshe carried Yosef's Aaron. So, um, so where is it? Mutal The heavenly angels they were accompanying it, and they were saying, Yisrael." He did the righteousness of God, the justice of God, and the laws with Israel. Who will rise with me? You know, against the wicked. Me to save Who after Moshe dies will rise with me? You know, against those who do iniquity. The Shmuel Amar. Um, and so, and uh, Shmuel said, "Nikachacham yodei pesher davar." So, so um, who is uh, you know? So he said, "No, this is what God said." Who is the wise one who knows the explanation of the thing? Now that Moshe is dead, who will truly understand the Torah? Rabbi Yehuda says, "Here's what said: Now that Moshe is, da- is, is dead, where will, will the wisdom come from?" Now again, I'm not sure if when it's saying that they said because it's a very funny transition. Malachi Ashari said this, Rabbi Yochanan said that, Shmuel said that. Is Shmuel saying this is what the Malachi Ashari is saying? Or is Shmuel participating, as it were, virtually in the Leviah of Moshe? I think that's maybe the image that it's giving. The angels are saying this. Now Shmuel is adding this. You know, Rabbi Yochanan, how do they phrase it there? They're, saying that they're all saying what the angels are saying. They're all saying what the angels are saying. But the grammar is a little interesting. Or even what God is saying. Yeah, yeah, God, yeah, this is what God said. Okay, it could be, but it's the Vav is money. Vishmuel Amar. What do you mean? You don't know if uh, Shmuel Omer, this is what they said. Right. It sounds like they were participating in the Leviah. But anyway, so anyways, everybody's is saying, oh my God, now that Moshe is dead, because right, Moshe never got the eulogy. Whoever said, what's going to be after Moshe? Rabbeinu? So God and the angels gave Moshe the eulogy. Okay. Um, let's just, uh, that, which is not, I don't know what, why that's saying something important, but he, said, he declared that Moshe had died. The great scribe of Israel has now died. And that, too often. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right, all right, we will end with that.